0: Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. I discuss and review movies new and old. You can watch the show on YouTube, X, and Facebook under the Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show on your app of choice. You can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please visit the website For the podcast at LetMeBendYourEar.com All episodes are available there. On this episode, I'm going to review the new Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. I've been looking forward to this film for quite some time. The making of the film was delayed somewhat by the pandemic, but the delays go back a little bit further than that. Let me start first with the Book. So this film is based on a 2017 nonfiction book by David Gran, Killers of the Flower Moon. Now I've actually read this book and highly recommend it. The movie uh, takes a little bit of a different tact and I'll get into that in a moment. <clears throat> but the story of the book is the true story of two things that are happening at the same time. So the main story is of the Osage Indian tribe. So the quick version of this is, this was a tribe of Indians that were located in both Kansas and Missouri, and the U.S. government basically kicked them off their land and sent them to Oklahoma. Now, they sent them to a place in Oklahoma that was pretty barren, very, very bad. So basically, really did wrong by them, which of course is common with our history with Native Americans. So... They go to this land. It's barren. They, they make the best of it. But in what I've called, when I speak about this book and this movie to people, and one of the most stunning examples of karma, if you believe in that, under the land that they were forced to live on was oil. So oil was discovered under the Osage land. So, of course, they became instant wealthy people. So the book points it out and it also points it out in the movie. It said I'll get to the movie in a minute, but the book points out that the Osage population was the richest population per capita at that time in the United States. So this is in the early 1920s. So the book tells that story about the Osage people them becoming wealthy and what happens of course when you have a area, a concentrated area with a lot of money You get people coming in, uh, vultures, if you will, and that term is used literally in the film. But, of course, what ends up happening is people come in to try to, of course, make money off the, the wealthy Osage. And what starts to happen is you have a great deal of whites marrying into the Osage nation. So you have white men marrying Osage women to have access to the money that they have. And I'll get more into that in a minute. And the other story that the book tells is this is at the onset of the FBI. So J. Edgar Hoover, of course, the longtime director of the FBI, was just starting this bureau uh, at the time that this what's going on in the Osage country happens. So there is a series of crimes in the Osage community, a series of murders specifically. So the book tells the story of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover, excuse me, tapping Tom White as a lead investigator and sends him to Oklahoma. Tom White was a Texas Ranger, a very highly gifted investigator, and he goes down to investigate the murders. And again, I'll get into more of that with the plot of the movie, but that's what the book tackles. So it's kind of both of those stories going together. Now, the book which is, like I said, I I recommend, as a fantastic read. You get get both a lot of detail of the Osage community in Oklahoma, the people that are surrounding that community, and the things that happen that lead up to the crimes that are ultimately investigated by the federal government. And then you also get a very detailed trajectory of Tom White's career, uh, being a veteran, being in the Texas Rangers, uh, having a brother and father who were in law enforcement, and then him ultimately being assigned to the Osage case. Like I said, great story with him. Great story in the uh, in the book. So the reason I brought up the book in detail before I got into the show is the movie is quite different. So the history of the movie is very interesting. So I was, I was like I said, the movie was delayed in production wise due to the pandemic. I think somewhat. I don't think that was the main reason, but the movie was years in the making. Martin Scorsese, you know, knew the book, wanted to wanted to adapt it and make a film out of it. So the original screenplay, uh, which he co-wrote with Eric Roth, the screenwriter who I think he wrote *Forrest Gump*, many other screenplays. As they were working on the screenplay, the screenplay was adapted, of course, from David Grant's book, and was taking the same tact that the book took, from the perspective of the two stories. Like I said, you've got the Osage story, and then. As David Grant's thesis of his book, as it's even in the title on the subtitle, I don't have the book with me, but it's basically the Osage murders and the birth of the F- FBI. So those two things are intertwined in David Grant's book, and uh, and that's the way the screenplay was going to be based on as well, and that was the focus. So the main character in the mo- in the original version of the screenplay, as is in the book, main character, if you will, is. Tom White. So while the script is being made, Leonardo DiCaprio, who I ultimately found out was an executive producer on this film as well, was going to play Tom White, the FBI agent. And between interviews that I've seen with Scorsese, uh, I don't think I've seen any interviews with, with DiCaprio regarding the film, but from what I've read and what I've seen as far as interviews he's given before the film came out and now that the film is out, is between DiCaprio and Scorsese and probably Eric Roth, DiCaprio read the script and and had issue or took issue with the fact that it, it appeared that they were telling the story more from the FBI agent's perspective than from the Osage Indian perspective. So after that kind of conversation, after discussing that and how DiCaprio felt about that, uh, he felt that that the in his words, por, por, por Scorsese, is that where's the heart of this script and this movie? It, it's missing something. It, telling it from this perspective is missing something, especially when you're dealing with you know, Native American issues and obviously the, the checkered history with America and Native Americans. So ultimately, the decision was made to scrap the original script and rewrite it. So Scorsese and Eric Roth rewrote the script with the focus being on Molly Burkhart, which I'll get to her in a second. So when the script was rewritten, the main character and the story focus was going to be more on the Osage and not on Agent Tom White. So what ended up happening was DiCaprio removed himself from the role of Tom White and took on the role of Ernest Burkhart. So he became he he stopped being the good guy and became one of the villains of the piece. So from that point, we'll start to talk about the movie. So the movie opens with Ernest Burkhardt, again played by DiCaprio, coming home from World War I. He's a veteran. He comes back uh, to Oklahoma. So the reason he is in Oklahoma is that his uncle, Mr. Hale, played by Robert De Niro, recruits him to come work with him in Oklahoma. So Hale is basically a pillar of the community there and a quote-unquote friend to the Osage Indians so as I stated a little bit earlier when I was when I was describing the situation uh, when the film opens you get a brief history of the Osage that I explained them being kicked off their land sent to Oklahoma they find oil underneath and you have the Osage living a very affluent lifestyle for Native Americans and for anyone in the United States at that time and then of course the 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 people that it attracts Uh, a lot of shady characters, uh, a lot of people just looking to get rich, of course, or to try to find a way to get to that money. So, again, uh, Ernest Burkhart comes to town, his uncle, um, William Hale, played by Robert De Niro. Again, he's kind of the, for lack of a better term, like the mayor of the town, even though he's not really the elected official. So, he's a businessman, he owns a ranch. He doesn't have, he makes it, it's funny because De Niro's performance is fantastic here. He makes it a point to uh, to tell Ernest, I, you know, I don't have any oil. This land that I'm on has no oil. I just, I'm a cattle rancher and I help the Osage. I respect them a lot. They're smart. He goes out of his way to kind of charm Ernest and to tell him how much he loves the Osage people and their honorable people and, and how smart they are and just kind of buttering them up as a way to kind of charm Ernest. So... In their interactions he ultimately has Ernest driving for uh people in the town he ends up driving uh molly played by lily gladstone so now molly's story is the main she is the main other main character in david Grant's book and is put front and center in this movie not that she's not front and center in the book because to me when i read the book she was kind of the co-lead with tom white so you were getting tom white's story and Molly, Molly's story as well. So Molly has three sisters and her mother. She lives with her mother, takes care of her mother. The father had passed away a few years before. So as the movie starts, that sets that part of the story up. And uh, Ernest starts to drive Molly around and they form a friendship and then a relationship. So during this time, Hale... Is telling his nephew, hey, look, you know, you know, you may want to think about marrying one of the Osage, because, you know, if you do that, the head rights, which at that time was the rights to their share of the oil fortune. So the way it worked, and I don't remember, it's been a couple of years since I read the book, but the way and the, the movie doesn't go into it too much, they just use the term head rights. But basically what happens is the money that's generated from the oil. All the osage that are there that are pure osage have a share of that and rights to money to income derived from the oil and the osage set it up where it was only osage that had access to it the only way there was two ways you'd have access to it if you were an osage member child family member that's the only way you had access the only other way you would have access is if you married in and as i stated briefly a little bit earlier This is what a lot of specifically white men started to do they started to marry into the osage community marrying these women to have access to that money now that in itself is shifty and shady but it happens in all walks of life you know women marry rich older men men marry rich women you know this happens in all cultures so if it was just that it's you know it's pretty slimy in itself but The tragedy of this story, you know, and and the movie does a good job of of, of illustrating it. So Ernest and Molly develop their relationship and they end up getting married. Now the movie and the book as well gives you the impression that Ernest was truly in love with Molly. But that being said, so at the beginning of the marriage, maybe there were purer intentions, but Hales is talking in his ear his entire time the access to money they could have. And Ernest Burkhardt has two vices. In the movie, drinking and gambling, and he likes money. So Hale seizes upon that those weaknesses that Ernest has, and not that Ernest is is, is absolved of responsibility. And as I explain more in the movie, you'll you'll see. So Ernest ends up marrying Molly, and uh, they have kids, and 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 the story progresses there. So the real tragedy of this is. What starts to happen, and the movie does a very good job in, 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 in telling the story, you start to see the lengths that people will go to have access to the Osage's money. Now, this is not even just a Native American story. Obviously, this is a human story in the sense that, unfortunately, you know the term money is the root of all evil is there for a reason and the lengths that people will go to to have access to large sums of money. Not even large sums of money, but any kind of money that they don't have. People will do uh, almost anything to do it. And what starts to occur is the deaths of Osage men and women. And the book and the movie you know, show these things. So there's two things that happen, or two methods of murder that occur here now of course there's the violent type you know shooting a stabbing things like that and and the movie portrays some of those murders as well but as bad as that is the, the the more sinister thing that happens and this is a i don't know if you can call this a spoiler or not but it's something i think it's essential for me for to review this movie to kind of give you a, an idea of what to expect when you see it the other way that these were happening was there was a, a systematic slow poisoning of Osage tribe members and specifically finding slow ways to kill these wives so they die what seems to be a natural death and of course in this town Native Americans dying, even at the clip that they were dying in this town, was largely ignored. Uh, investigated, in quotes, uh, very, very poorly, if not at all. Because obviously, the value of a Native American life in the 1920s is, is going to be next to nothing. And one thing that the movie uh, ties in with it is they, they show the the destruction in Tulsa at that time. Uh, the race riot that occurred in Tulsa, and that's used kind of as a, a a counterpoint to what could happen where the Osage are and the, you know, the, whatever term you want to use, racism, uh, whatever you want to use to, to dehumanize the Native Americans by the people who were there, one, trying to get the money, which of course creates the resentment, which I'm sure the whites had, of these Native Americans being very, very rich. So you have, you have murders piling up and nothing being done about it. And the movie does a fantastic job of telling that story that's from the book. And that's Molly's story and Molly's family. So what you really see is the destruction of Molly's family. Uh, pretty much her entire family. And uh, that's the main thrust of Killers of the Flower Moon. That's the main thrust of that part of the book as well. And Scorsese does a fantastic job of really making it uncomfortable to watch. As I was sitting watching the film, uh, I was uncomfortable, but in a good way. It was It's just, it's so tragic and so brutal. And it and like I said, it's not because of violence, though there are some people that meet a violent end in the movie. It's really the destruction of a group of people who have done nothing but try to exist. And uh, the movie paints that portrait very, very well. And it's very brutal to watch in that sense. and but But completely riveting. And... Lily Gladstone as Molly Burkhardt is is fantastic. It's a fantastic lead performance in that film. DiCaprio is the co-lead, I think, and you would even see it maybe sometimes a supporting role. Uh, his role as Ernest Burkhardt, he's fantastic. I mean, he's always good. Uh, I think this role stands out for him because it is... And I haven't seen every DiCaprio film. I've seen a lot of them, but he is... Maybe other than Django Unchained, this is he's truly not a good person in this film. I think... He, he becomes an accomplice to the horrendous atrocities that are being committed against these people, and he becomes an active and willing participant of it. And uh, he may have loved his wife at first, but he loved money and the access to it more than he ever loved his wife. And Robert De Niro as William Hale. I'll gotta tell you this. This is one of this is one of his better performances in a long time. He's fantastic in this movie. He is a. It's funny because I when I read the book and the Hale character, De Niro plays it perfectly. He's just basically He's just a bad dude. He's a he's a sociopath, essentially. He he justifies what he does. He I think his character actually believes that believes two things one that he's really helping these people and that he has some sort of respect for them but two has no issue trying to steal their money and I think as much as he says he respects them he doesn't deem them as worthy to have it which I think is what the attitude of a lot of people were at that time so De Niro is fantastic and like I said Lily Gladstone fantastic there's a great cast in the movie a lot of actors I haven't seen before a couple that I have and uh, it's fantastic. It's The film is 3 hours and 25 minutes, I believe. So, of course, we go back to this conversation that I always have in every review about length of films. So I will say this, and this will come to my slight criticism of Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm not going to say the movie is too long. That wouldn't be an accurate criticism from me. So I think my issue is it, as I was watching it last night... It's 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 riveting. It's brutal. It's uncomfortable to watch, but it should be because the story is uncomfortable, and it's and it's and it's a it's a tragedy, and it's presented as such. But for me, in the last third of the film, it just lost some of its. And the way I thought of it in my head when I was watching the movie in real time, I thought it lost some narrative steam. So what that means to me is, I think it 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 wasn't the momentum that carried the film. And the way it was presented, I think it slowed down. Ironically, when when the when Tom White, the FBI agent, comes into town, not that that wasn't interesting, and in how they ultimately try to bring these people to justice, but it slowed the narrative momentum or the narrative, you know, momentum that it had the entire time. Now, this is a minor criticism for me. It's not. It didn't derail anything. It didn't make the movie any less wonderful to me it just slowed it down to me so that's just my slight criticism of it and like i said it's very slight you've got like i said great performances all the way around the the story is well told you've got martin scorsese who of course is is a master american filmmaker you've got some you know you don't get that that dizzying camera work that you, that you get from scorsese in the past i think his last you know 10 years he's I have to give him a lot of credit. I'm a big fan of The Irishman. I know a lot of people didn't really love it. Long, another long movie as well, but I actually enjoyed it a lot. And I think he's just been ambitious in this later part of his career. Uh, he's definitely not just making movies to make movies. He's really taking on serious projects uh, to, to, to tell stories with. And again, with the camera work, there was a great tracking shot going into uh, Molly's house. That's in the middle of the movie. It just stuck out to me because it was a one take kind of tracking shot, and I always think of you know, the famous tracking shot in Goodfellas, but there was one shot in there that I loved, and there's some great cinematography in there. Uh, but again, that's not what this movie is about. It's about telling the story of the Osage people and and the tragic situation uh, that they found themselves in by forces that were looking to get their money by any means necessary. So again, it's a it's a fantastic movie. Again, this has been a, a good year for me of watching movies. I've seen a lot of really, really great movies. And I know this movie had a lot of positive buzz uh, when, it come, when it came out. But again, it's, it's a fantastic film. DiCaprio, De Niro, and Lily Gladstone all give very, very good performances. And like I said, uh, DiCaprio's character, Burkhardt, is, uh, is not a good dude. And he is essentially attempting to murder his wife, slowly. So he can get her money. It's just as simple as that. Again, I don't think there's a spoiler there. I think if you even see the trailer of the film, you can kind of see where it's going to go there. But knowing that part of it is not the is not going to ruin the experience of seeing the movie. Uh, you're the movie is really an observation about a period in time in America, and and it really is the bigger themes too. It's it's man's inhumanity against man for the sake of money and uh, money being the root of that evil and like i said people willing to do anything and everything to get that money but even more so than that and this is the the strongest part of this film is is it just the absolute tragedy of families being wiped out just like they had been wiped out over time in the native american history in the united states it's uh it's just a different way it's not on a battlefield it's not due to war uh, it's uh, it's due to greed, and it's just as tragic and just as shameful uh, as any of those other ways that uh, that Native Americans were harmed and killed. And the movie, like I said, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a fun watch, but it's an important watch, and it's entertaining in the sense that the movie is gripping, and it tells that story unflinchingly, and and. And I think the length of the movie does help that. I think it really, and I think Scorsese in the interviews that I've seen, he made an effort, he wanted to tell their story and he wanted to make sure that he spent the time needed to really hit the point home. And I think he does. And I think it's very effective. There are some very effective scenes in this film that that really got to me when you watch what was done to these people. And uh, it was very, very... Emotional in some sense and and very, very just terrible because like I said, it's a true story. These things actually happened and uh, you really are. It's funny because you, you, you kind of know the history of Native Americans in this country, but when you see it presented in the way it's presented by Scorsese, it is still shocking as it should be and sad and doesn't make you feel good about the human condition sometimes but grateful that we're in a different place now than we were then. But it's a story that needed to be told. It's an important story to be told. And again, I highly recommend the film. Like I said, my minor quibble is that it loses some narrative steam in that third act, but nothing that derails the film at all. And again, coming after The Irishman, this is the second film in a row from Scorsese, who is one of my favorite directors back-to-back he's made some fantastic films and he's continuing to do that like i said in an ambitious way so definitely if you can check it out in a theater this is definitely a a big screen movie experience and again great performance by lily gladstone very good performance by dicaprio and a really excellent performance by de niro Uh, his william hale character is just a straight out villain in the worst way he's just he is just sociopathic and you forget because De Niro doesn't really play those type of characters and it's basically you know you've got Taxi Driver you've got his performance in Cape Fear he he, not that you forget but he can play uh, a bad person very very well and he does it very good here and he's a bad person in this movie and the thing that makes it more scary just like with any film he's a bad person in a nice suit with a nice demeanor, very calm, always talks in a very calm tone of voice, but is responsible for a lot of destruction and and death. So it's a it's a great performance and like I said it's 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 worth seeing. I'm going to go ahead and give Killers of the Flower Moon directed by Martin Scorsese. I'm going to give it 4 Van Gogh's out of five, or four stars out of five. Uh, again, my my minor critique, withstanding, it is a great film. It's definitely one I would see again. My four my four star review indicates that it's one that I would watch again. I definitely will check it out again. Like I said, it's a hard watch. You know, it's not a popcorn Saturday night movie, but it's an important film, and it's well done, and it's and it tells a a story that needed to be told. So. After reading the book and getting that story and seeing the movie, it's great. I'm glad I got to revisit this story uh, in a different medium because the book is fantastic. Again, I recommend David Grant's book highly. It's fantastic, and I recommend uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. Again, that review is four stars out of five. Thank you for listening to the show. You can follow the show on X, Instagram, YouTube, and Threads. The handle will be at BendYourEarPod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the Facebook page. This is a one-man operation. If you're watching the show on Facebook, YouTube, or X, and would like to support the podcast, you can click the QR code on the top left corner, or you can go to the show's X page at EarPod go over to the profile page and click on the tip jar. This will help cover the cost of hosting the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic week.